Good morning and happy Sabbath. You guys doing well? Because you could do better than that. Good morning and happy Sabbath. Ah, there you go. Who was that? Okay, I heard. Oh, oh, it was Georgia. Okay, thank you. I thought it was Gavin, but no, Gavin doesn't have a girl's voice. So, a girl's scream. Okay, those are fighting words, Georgia. Be careful. Okay. Well, I'm happy to be here today, and I'm happy that we're seeing more sun than cloudy days. Although that cold is staying. Uh, I've only lived in Colorado for 13 years, and I think this is the coldest winter I've ever experienced here. But it's not a complaint because, you know, there's seasons, and we have to appreciate each season that comes from God. It is a blessing, the cold. Well, I wanted to show you a picture. Do you know who this person is? On the screen? Yeah, Khrushchev. Uh, Nikita Khrushchev was premier of the Soviet Union from 1958 through 1964. And at the beginning of his term, he denounced many of the policies and atrocities of Joseph Stalin. Once, as he censored Stalin in a public meeting, Khrushchev was interrupted by a shout from a heckler. In the audience, you were one of Stalin's colleagues. Why didn't you stop him then, is what the heckler said. Who said that, said Khrushchev. An agonizing silence followed as nobody in the room dared move a muscle or say a word. Then Khrushchev replied quietly, now you know why. Now you know why. The fear that sometimes come inside of us, right? I want you to think about a time that you were afraid, that you were afraid. What brought fear inside of you? When I was Sebastian's age, Sebastian, how old are you? Yeah, around 10. When I was 10 years old, I had to walk home from school. And walking home from school meant I had to cross. I was going to my grandma's house. My grandma was our babysitter um, for my sister and my cousins. So walking home from school meant I had to pass through this one house that had a Rottweiler in the front yard. And I was afraid of that dog because every time a child walked across... He was always barking at us. And, and then, you know, there's this chain that he's linked to, and he's pulling on that chain, and you can, you can see that chain almost breaking. At least that's what my mind thought. I was afraid that that chain would break. I was always afraid of that dog. It was a big, scary, black dog. And if there was a chance that I would that I could dodge it, guess what I would do? I would walk on the other side of the road just to avoid the dog. But even then, the dog was always barking. I was afraid of that dog. Fear. That's scary, right, AJ? What are you afraid of, AJ? I'm scared of stray cats. Stray cats. Why is that? 
They scratch, right? Stray cats are just as scary as dogs, but dogs are on chains or ropes, and stray cats are just, that's why they're called a stray. They're just walking anywhere. Or what? I didn't, oh yeah, dogs are on leashes, you're right. That, you're correct. Uh, Gavin, did I hear you say you're afraid of spiders? Oh, that was you again, Georgia. I'm sorry I'm confusing your voice as a, Young man's voice. You don't sound like a boy, by the way. <laughs> no, you're not. So, so there's things that we're afraid of. And our sermon today, our message today, is just that. Fear. Fear and courage. Can you be so afraid that when the premier of the Soviet Union asks you who said that, that you won't even speak up? Our sermon series this past month has been Here I Am. Here I Am. Here I Am means showing up when God calls. When God calls you, you're, you're, you're going to show up and you're ready to do God's work. And for, day, uh, for today, we look at Samuel's story, which has fear, but also courage inside of it. Just a quick recap and review. The first week... We talked about Abraham and how Abraham was blessed with faithfulness because he was willing to endure the test from God. Are you willing to endure the test? We all get tested, and that's a good thing. We should be happy that we're tested because we will grow from that test, and we are blessed with faithfulness. Jacob was two weeks ago. And with Jacob's story, we learned that when he showed up and he said, here I am, he was blessed with reconciliation. In fear of his brother killing him, he was surprised when Esau hugged him instead, right? Last week, we looked at Moses' story and how Moses was broken by the experiences he had with life. Yeah, and he was in a basket adopted in water, and that's what he was struggling with. You're right, AJ. He was struggling with his identity, Egyptian, being a Hebrew. But then, towards the end of the message, we learned that his identity was really in God. Thus, he was blessed with an identity. And then today, we're going to look at Samuel, on how Samuel is blessed with courage. I'd invite, I will invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 15 through 18, but keep it open to that chapter because I'm going to go back and forth in it every now and then. But the key text, I put it here on the PowerPoint or on the screen, and it says, Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house uh, of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, And Samuel answered, here I am. That's our series right there, right? Here I am. Samuel answered when Eli called uh, upon him. What was it that God said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Now, there's a lot to unpack in this passage. The first thing I want to point out is that we do hear that concept or that theme of fear. 
We see that fear as we read that Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but even though he was afraid, nonetheless, Samuel still showed up. He said, here I am. Sometimes that's how life is. Sometimes we can feel afraid, and it's okay to feel afraid and still show up. So here is Samuel. He's showing up, though he's still afraid. Then his fear moves from fear to courage. How does it move on from fear to courage? Well, just in this passage alone, we see this part where Eli says, may God deal with you, be it ever so severely. When he said that, when Eli said that to Samuel, Samuel got the courage and finally said, well, if you want to know anything, I will tell you. And that's what it says. Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. But Samuel was only able to do it when his faith was tested. How was his faith tested? Well, it's when Eli asked him to swear the oath that you're going to tell me what God said. That's what that phrase means. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely. That was a common phrase in the Old Testament. You may recall that Ruth said this to Naomi, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And what does she say next? She says, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. That was a common phrase in the Old Testament. It was a common phrase for that culture, for people to make a promise. To make, to make a promise to, between Scott and me, we would make that promise in the Lord's name. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if right? So going back to Samuel and Eli's story, to our main verse here, that's where Samuel finally gets the courage. And why? Well, because his faith, his relationship in God has now been placed on the bedding table, is now front and center. It's where Eli is now testing his his, his uh, Samuel's faithfulness in God. And so Samuel had to weigh the options. Is my fear of telling Eli greater than my faith in God? Well, you see the answer there. Because he has greater faith, greater love in God, that to him is more important than the fear he has in telling Eli. And so the Bible tells us, so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. What is this thing about fear that can cause us to remain quiet? What is this thing about fear? What are we afraid of? Are we afraid of getting hurt? Are we afraid of death? Are we afraid of consequence or maybe the punishment? 
What are we afraid of? What are you afraid of today? What's the fear that's in your heart? That's why I love this story of Samuel. Because in Samuel's story, we see something that we can get a lesson on how we can turn fear into courage. Now, to appreciate the story even more, we need to know who is Samuel at this point of the story. You may remember Samuel, we, when we hear Samuel, we often hear of Samuel when he is anointing David, right? Or when he is trying, and I'm saying this with quotation marks because Saul failed, when he's trying to guide Saul, remember, that's how we know Samuel. But what about Samuel at this point of the story? That Samuel that I'm talking about in regard to his guidance that he provides to Saul and David, that's when he's older. But at this point of the story, Samuel is nothing but a mere youth, a child of only 12 summers, according to our Bible commentary, according to SDA Bible commentary. It says that Samuel was a mere youth a child of only 12 summers. So that's the age between uh, Gavin and, and Sebastian at this moment. 12 summers. Now, some theologians argue that he could have been older. So the, the age that he could have been was anywhere between 12 through 17. Now, there are differences of maturity between those two ages, but nonetheless, what we can agree upon is that he was a young child, a young child, from the verse that we just read, had enough courage to speak up, though he was afraid. Samuel was a mere youth. The other thing that we can learn about Samuel is that Samuel lived for years in an evil environment and could not help seeing the difference between the instructions given in the scrolls of the law and the lives of the young priests who had been uh, who had been his associates in his young life i'm going to continue to read from our commentary it says here that had he made inquiry of them what's them the differences between what he's reading from scripture and what he's seeing in those young leaders he would have received only angry rebuffs His parents were not present to advise him, and he was hesitant to approach Eli himself. As he turned the matter over in his heart, which means as he contemplated this matter in his heart, as he weighed this struggle, the same question could come to him that comes to the mind of a godly youth today. If the word of God lays down certain principles for the conduct of his work, And the leaders not only fail to follow these instructions, but are guilty of gross misconduct. Why does God allow them to continue ministering in holy office? That's a good question to ask. These young men who Samuel considered as associates... If anything, because these young men are older than him, he's learning from them. What he's seeing is the Bible says one thing, but then they're doing another thing. That was already a struggle inside his heart. And that's what he was trying to build up courage in. How do I speak to that? 
How do I speak to that? Have you ever been in a situation where you see something is being done wrong? And what did you do then? Did you speak up? Or did you shy away from it? Did you shy away from it? In high school, I was on the football team. And a group of guys and myself decided to stay around in the locker room for just a while longer to talk, to talk, to hang out. Guys don't talk. We hang out, right? And I never felt like I was part of the team because, you know, I was really third string. And the only reason I got to play in some games is because of injuries to the two guys ahead of me. So I wanted to do everything to anything that made me feel like I was part of the team. And so while we're hanging out in the locker room, they decide to go into the coach's office. And I don't know why. I can't remember why. But they wanted to go into coach's office and hang out in there. And so one of the guys learned, I guess he was just an expert lock picker because he was able to open that doorknob and we went into coach's office. One of the uh, players sat in his chair. The other two sat in the two chairs that were in front of coach's desk and I just stood by the door hoping that that would be my defense if we were found out that my defense was, well, I wasn't really in the office. This doesn't sound so horrendous, but when you're breaking into some place that you're not supposed to be in, well, that is a big no-no, right? That is a big no-no. And sure enough, coach finds out. And he knows the four guys that were involved in this, and he talks to each of us separately. But for the time that I had the opportunity to show courage and speak on the truth, Can you guess what I did? I did not speak the truth. I just held my tongue and just said, I don't know. That's the popular answer of teens, right? I don't know. Uh, For those that have teens here, I don't have children, but I do remember the answers I gave my mom and dad was, I don't know. (laughs) And that was it. That was such a contrast to what we see with Samuel. At 12 years old, he is tested. He is tested. I want us to look at this evil environment that Samuel grew up in. How evil was it exactly? Well, turn your Bible to the preceding verses, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. Verse 12 tells us that Eli's sons were wicked men. You might remember them. There were two sons. One was named Hophni, and the other one was Phinehas. They were evil men. And why were they evil? Well, number one, they had no regard for the Lord. And what's shocking about this is that they are priests in training. They're pastors in training. That's your main job is to have a regard for the Lord, right? 
If you are going to be a pastor, you need to have a heart for God above everything else. Otherwise, don't do that job. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. That's number one. Number two, verse 17, it says, The sin of the young men were very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Not using the Lord's offering for what it's supposed to be used for. It has something to do with the sacrificial animal. So that's number two. And then the third thing about Samuel's sons is that it says here in verse 22, it says, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel. He heard about it, right? It's not that he knew about it. It's not that he saw his sons do it. He's, he's hearing this from the grapevine. He's hearing it from the chismosos and chismosas. He's hearing it from other people. He is. See, my Hispanic friends, you're smiling because we have the same language, right? We do. That's the same thing in Tagalog and Filipino. So in continuing with this verse, it says his sons were doing, all, uh, were doing wrong to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Pastors in training who are doing wrong things with women. Now what it's not clear on is whether this was consensual or forced upon, but that doesn't even matter. Because this was being done out of marriage. This was horrendous in the sight of the Lord. Now, here's where I'm trying to put this together. Is this is happening with Samuel present. Samuel is seeing all of this. He's hearing all of this. He's witnessing this atrocity that's happening. People that should be his mentors, people that he should look up to, are the very people that are doing the evil. The very people that were the evil ones. Does that paint the picture for you on what Samuel what's going through. So when we go back to our key text, to our key text where, where it says that Samuel was afraid to tell Eli about the vision, now do you get a clearer understanding why he would be afraid? You get a clearer understanding why he doesn't even want to tell Eli? What was he supposed to tell Eli? Well, here's what what the Lord told Samuel in verse 11 of 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 11, 311, which that's today, by the way. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 11, this is what God told Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about his sons and what they made and what they did to, uh, in, in being contemptible to the Lord. 
and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. That's what God told Samuel. That's what he received in vision. And that's what Eli was asking Samuel about. What did God tell you? And of course, he was afraid. Because the judgment of Eli's household was shared to Samuel. That's kind of shocking, and so I'm wondering, why not just tell that to Eli, God? Why, why get Samuel involved even at such a young age? Why? And here's what I learned. Here's what I realized. It's because God knew Samuel's heart could carry such a task. Because he knew Samuel's heart was pure. Was not tainted by the evil that was being done in that city. Even though Samuel was 12 years old of a young age, he already knew Samuel will do right. So for those who are around 10 years old, 12 years old, 14 years old, that's in here today right now, this message is for you. Doing what is right when you know it's right. And not being led astray by your peers, by your friends. Not doing wrong, but standing up for what is good. And what did Samuel do? Well, the Bible tells us that even though he was afraid, when he was called upon by Eli, Samuel, Samuel, come here. He answered, here I am. He showed up regardless of his fear, regardless of, his, of how afraid he was, he showed up. And then Eli said, what was it that God said to you? Do not hide it from me. And so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And here's Eli's response. Well, he's God. Let him do what is good in his own eyes. I think had Eli repented at that moment, I think had he repented at that moment, I think God would have forgiven him. But it shows us that, that Eli's sin was apathy, blindness towards, towards his son's wrongdoings. He never called that out. He never called it out as sin. He never protected the people that were victims in the church. And does that happen sometimes where the church leader, the pastor, can turn a blind eye? And what happens? The person that was wronged in church will then feel unloved, will feel betrayed and say, well, why should I stay here? I'm going to leave. We need to speak up. We need to have the courage to show up. That's what this message is about. It's showing up even though we might feel afraid. So then what happens with Samuel's story. Well, let's keep reading in verse 19. It says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of God's words 
fall to the ground. What does that mean that he did not let any of God's words fall to the ground? He listened and obeyed to every single thing that came from the word of God. That's why he was able to stand courageously is because he stuck to God's words. All else will fail. Parents can fail their children. Teachers can fail their students. Pastors can fail, can fail the church. But if you are strong in the word of God, you'll have courage. That's what it says here. Continuing on in verse 20. And all Israel from Dan, which is in the north, to Beersheba in the south, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. That's the key ingredient to courage. If you want to make the right choices, read your Bible. That's a song that we knew growing up, right? Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day. I should have made that request, but I didn't think of it until now. Sorry, Scott. Sorry, Jerome. I'm going to skip this slide right here. And we're going to go to this last thought. Winston Churchill. There's two quotes I want to share as a last thought. Winston Churchill said, Fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. And how true is that for Samuel's story? Despite the fear he had, he put that aside and he made a decision to speak up. He showed up. Fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. And then the great American author Mark Twain said, Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. And how true is that? Because fear in and being afraid will always be there. But you and I, as we learn courage, as we develop courage, it will, be, it will be able to resist fear. And as you get older, as you're walking home one day, that Rottweiler on that chain won't be so scary anymore. And you'll be able to speak up walk right by it with no fear of it. That's all from the lesson of a 12-year-old boy named Samuel. If Samuel can stand courageously, despite the fear in his heart, then you and I should be able to do the same as well. Let's pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, This whole series has been about here I am. And I know you placed Castle Rock Adventist Church here for a reason, here at Castle Rock Adventist Hospital. We want to say, here we are. We want to show up. We're ready to receive your direction and your guidance. Tell us where to go and how to do it, and we will faithfully follow. And for each of us, individually speaking, I also pray, O Lord, that today we take Samuel's lesson to heart, that may we be inspired by a 12-year-old boy who was willing to speak up despite of being afraid. 
Such a wonderful lesson of courage. Such a, such a wonderful lesson of faith, faith in you. And so may our faith grow in, in you uh, and with you so that we can stand tall, so that way we can show up when you call us and then we can say, here I am. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.